This is the Australian Hunting Podcast, hunting, shooting and fishing radio on the AHP Digital Radio Network. Visit us at australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Here's the host of the show, Jason Selms. Welcome back to AHP. Thanks for joining me. Great to have you with us again. I do appreciate your time in listening to the show. We've been running for just over six years now on the Australian Hunting Podcast, so thank you uh, for all the support. Today we're talking with Callum Mead for the Everyday Hunter series. Uh, Callum talks about his favourite gun, he talks about why he loves hunting the Red Fox, and we have a good robust discussion on why he actually votes for the Liberal Party. Uh, in all the shows I've done, in uh, I think it's 147 now, I've never sort of had someone that actually votes for the major parties when we actually discuss politics, uh, who they vote for. So it's good to actually get Callum's take on why he votes for the Liberal Party in Victoria and, and what brings him and what issues he feels affect him and making him sort of vote for the Liberal Party. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Without further ado, let's get into my interview, The Everyday Hunter with Callum Mead. This is Aaron from Shooting Stuff Australia. You'll listen to Australia's number one hunting, shooting and fishing podcast. All right, Callum Mead, welcome to the Australian Hunting Podcast, mate. Thanks for joining me as part of the Everyday Hunter series. Thanks, bud. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me. No worries, man. I want you to tell me about yourself first, mate. Hunt, shoot, fish, all of the above. Yeah, absolutely. Um, been a, an avid hunter for the last oh, four or five years. Um, I've been a shooter for since I was 13, so I'm 28 now, so it's a good 15 years. Um, just enjoying the sport. It's something something I enjoy. I don't play footy or cricket, so shooting's for me. It's just um, just awesome. I love it. Mate, do you live on, give it, what, what location do you live? What uh, state do you live in? Um, so I live in southwest Victoria um, in, a, in a fairly heavy farming community. So there's a lot of opportunities for me to go hunting different animals, different species, um, and farmers are usually pretty happy when you come and knock on their door asking to eradicate pests. No worries. And what do you do for sort of um, uh, on the land? Do you work on the land? And if so, what, yeah. what's, what industry yep. you sort Absolutely. of Absolutely. Um, so you're a dairy farmer. So I milk cows, feed calves, feed hay, do silage, the whole the whole work, always outside. Never, I've never done anything else, um, and I wouldn't I wouldn't choose to do anything else. It's just I just love it. Love being outside. Get to meet people. Get to do plenty of stuff you like to do. And yeah, it's um, something that I always enjoy. So yeah, love being outside. Exactly, Matt. How did you get into it? Was your you know your mum and dad or family a family of hunters, brothers, sisters? How did you end up getting into yeah, so, uh, shooting sports? Um, it's it's a bit of an interesting one because my my old man um, he didn't really he had one one uh, little twenty two magnum a little old Winchester ninety four. Um, and yeah, he took us out a couple of nights and then just my brother and I, we just started reading, um, hunting magazines and we started talking to a few people around the town and then they pushed us in the direction of a few farmers and just one thing led to another. And now I'm the, um, I'm the president of our local Australian Deer Hunting Association group. So yeah, that just led one thing to another and it just all, all, um, took off from there. And now I have a deer hunter, I have a pest like foxes, rabbits, hares, Goats, pigs, doesn't matter what it is. If it's not, if it's not native to Australia, it's pretty much sure it can uh, have a few bullets shot at it. I think. <laughs> what did you when you started to sort of take it up and uh, get interested in it? You started reading the magazines. Is your brother into it as much as you're into it, or pretty similar? Yeah, or? look, my my brother, my brother's um, he, he's a lot more avid deer hunter than what I am. Um, I've only been hunting deer for about three years, whereas my younger brother's been probably into it for about eight or nine. Um, so he he's a he's he shot a lot of lot of nice uh, fallow and samba, but um, myself I've only only shot the one samba. So yet to add to uh, add to the count, but definitely uh, try an issue with a few fallow. I was going to say, mate, at least you didn't wait as five years as long as I did to get a deer. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that can, um... can be elusive animals, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, so, what else do you enjoy, man? Like, what do you, what do you, what's your favourite? Let's talk about, I guess, uh, species to hunt. What do you, what oh, do you enjoy to hunt? Mate, there's only one animal that I love hunting, and that's the European red fox. Absolutely love them. Can't yeah. get enough for hunting red. Yeah, red foxes. Absolutely. They're, they're challenging. They can be. They can be as dumb as a doorpost or as cunning as an old, old sly, uh, sly fox. I mean, 
we we do spotlighting between the months of about April and September. That's when we really, really kick in. Last year, we went out with a few mates. Um, we do a lot of fox drives. So Sunday fox drives, they're, they're the day of um, fox driving. We've got a couple of Jack Russells. Um, we get four or five of us together, and we just go out doing fox drives on different properties around the area. I've never um, been on a right. fox drive. Is that do you get a lot of? Do you find you get a lot of fox uh, drives doing like as in moving the foxes on from a certain area? I find it quite interesting. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, I mean, it's fairly popular where I live in Southwest Victoria. Um, there's a lot of older fellas do it. It's a very, it's a very old tradition around here. Um, some some groups do it with what they call beaters, so people who actually have sticks and walk through the long grass and slash at it. Whereas what we do, we, we use a couple of Jack Russells and we kind of flush the foxes out of their hiding spots so they can be hiding in, say, bracken fern or uh, blackberries or just even long solaris grass, like long, what that long grass you see on the side of the road. That's, we, we do a lot of that stuff. So, yeah, we um, we probably average probably about 10 or so, 11, 11, 11 or 10 foxes a day um, on a Sunday. So we, if, if we get double figures, we're usually pretty happy. You know, cause we, we obviously have the bounty in Victoria, so it's $10 a pop. So yeah. we, um, yeah. How many awesome. how many well, people do you like, have hunting to get those sort of numbers? I mean, people yeah, flushing so we, and beating. Do you have like yeah, 10, 20 so, people? Yeah. Oh, well, some of the bigger groups they'll have when they're doing the bigger properties, they'll have around that 10, 10 to 15 mark. But we only usually have um, between four and six of us. So it's usually, it's pretty small, pretty, um, pretty like, it's just more of a social day for us. But if we get a couple of foxes along the way, we give each other a bit of stick and, you know, more of a social day, really. You know, you've got to, you've got to look after each other out in the country, and that's that's what we do. We just go and enjoy our fox shooting, and, you know, the, the dogs, we look after the dogs, and the dogs are happy flushing everything out. So. Yeah, I remember going I, down south with a guy... Um, uh, uh, he used the uh, same thing, little Jack Russell, similar to, to flush out of the ferns. And that yep. I remember it was interesting, an interesting story. I, I've never seen anything like it. And I totally changed my mind after going on this trip uh, about what happened that day. We're there, and yeah, you know, it's, it's 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 an open area, quite grassy. Grass was very low, so it looked like it'd been yep. eaten by the ruse and stuff like that. And there was this fern there. Mate, I, I swear, I swear, it must have been probably. Oh, half a metre wide, a metre wide if you're lucky, a metre by a metre. So it was tiny. And I could almost see through it. And he goes, mate, I normally pull a couple of foxes out of there. And I said, where? I said, where? And he goes, the fern in front of you. And I said, that? And he said, yeah. And he goes, I said, mate, I can see through it. There's nothing in there. And he goes, well, yeah, he goes, they might not because they might not be now, but we'll just we'll fly. We're about thirty meters away as we're walking up. He goes, oh, I'll put the dogs through it and all that, and we'll just see what happens. He goes, we might get one or two. And I said, you're mad. You're not going to get anything. I can see through it. I can see the other side with the, you know, with the. You can see the. The horizon, the light through the ferns. There's nothing in there. I said, you're mad. Anyway, yeah. the dogs went in there. Two, mate, two foxes, one either side, left and right. Ended up shooting them, and I'm like. Well, I definitely changed my mind about what I just said. That's for yeah, sure. I couldn't. I, mean, I couldn't believe foxes, it. They're, they're so they are so cunning. Like they, they just it, it baffles me. When I first started shooting foxes, and it, the same the same situation. Like Nathan, the guy I go with, he he was saying to me, he's like, "Yeah, there'll be foxes in there." And you, you go, "Yeah, whatever, mate." Like I can see you can see through it. You can go, but yeah, they, they're so cunning. They can hide in grass that it, it only hide your ankle. And I was so thinking there might have been a den or. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you know, no, I, I stood on there, no den, no nothing. I'm like, what's? Because I said, there's got to be a yeah. den. I did. There's no way. And mate, I stood on there, you know, got a bit, you know, beaten up by the uh, blackberry or whatever, and the ferns and all that. But I'm like, <laughs> that mate, like you could see through. There's only a little tiny bit of blackberry. It was mainly just a couple of ferns. And I'm like, there couldn't be anything here. It was un- unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, they just, they just, they, um, they're just a really, really skillful little animal. Like when they, and they, they become. Obviously, when they get hungry, they they eat crickets, they eat mice, they eat frogs, they eat anything they can get their paws on. Um, and yeah, they'll they'll hide in the side of the road because they don't they don't like the wind that much. So we obviously down at home, it gets fairly windy here. So when the dogs come along and flush them out, they they take off like a shot, and they're, they're usually pretty bolting it when they come out. And we we always have a laugh when a fox comes out of the fern. We, we always say that he's got flames up his ass and he's running so fast he's trying to put it out. <laughs> and it's amazing, isn't it, how they, especially, I mean, these little dogs who are like little Jack Russells, it's amazing yeah. how they just can't stand, the, I don't, I'm not sure if they get scared or they can't stand the scent. As soon as they get a whiff of them, poof, they're out of there, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, well, that's right. They, um, it's just it's just amazing that, you know, 
Jets, you get a Jack Russell that's half the size of a fox, but they'll go toe-to-toe for all day, all day. We've had dogs to go down dens. We've tried to get out, you know, an hour, two hours, three hours. We've been waiting for them to come out. And they'll go toe-to-toe with a fox all day until they're exhausted, until one of them flops them behind. So, you know, just hunting the red fox, to me, is, is one of the one of the things that I enjoy most. I mean, there's there's nothing like hunting deer, but red foxes are just, it just gets me excited hunting them because I know that we're helping the, the native Australian animals, the, the lorikeets or... You know, the little the little Australian field mice and all the bandicoots around, so even the possums as well. Um, but yeah, it's just red foxes for me is, is the, the number one animal I love hunting. Yep. How do you uh, talk? This will be a good one for people out there, I guess. It's very interesting. How do you how do you find your work? The dogs will get like those uh, little Jack Russells into flushing foxes from yeah. like uh, ferns. Um, how do you train them? What's the best way? Are they natural? Because I mean, I used to have like a foxy as well, and it was a natural sort of you know radar. You know what I mean? They love getting down the yeah. holes. And how do you teach them in that respect for people yeah. out there that might yeah, have I, say those type of animals and want them get them into flushing foxes? Yeah. So. Um the Jack Russells, they're obviously very, they're actually bred to do that. Like that's what they're bred for, hence why they're called um, Jack Russells and Foxies and all those smaller, smaller type terrier dogs. They're, they're the ones that, <laughs> yeah. that, are, uh, <laughs> that are bred to do that kind of stuff. But uh, most people usually start them on the rats because rats will bite back. They, they will have a go at a dog if, if it's cornered. And that, that's just to teach them that, teach the dog that it's okay for them to have a go at the rat because. At the end of the day, it's them versus them, and you know, and the rats are not going to take a backward step. So, people usually start them on rats. Um, I I try to get a couple of scalps or a couple of foxtails um, and really really aggravate the dogs with them because the, once you get a, a whiff of a fox, a musty fox, the dogs never forget that. As soon as they smell it, they'll be off and they start barking. So that's the uh, the warning sign for you that there's a fox about to come out of the ferns. When the dogs start barking, that's when you got to get your gun ready and ready to shoot it. But yeah, mainly mainly rats and mice is is, is how you train a young young Jack Russell or a Foxy, or even even a um, a lot of people around this area you start to use staghounds, um, especially if they break um, and they can't you can't obviously use a humane shot with a shotgun to shoot the fox. The dog people with their staghounds going and they'll chase them down. Staghound takes one bite and the fox and it's all over. That's right. Yeah. Very, very quick, so yeah. So how do you get the foxes not to? I mean, obviously the foxes are quite quick, so they try and you know you make sure the foxes obviously clear the bush before shooting. Make sure the dog's not yeah, right, right on its tail. So no, nah. yeah. Well, a fox, a fox will burn off a foxy or a Jack Russell when it when it hits when it hits open ground. A fox is so much quicker than a Jack Russell or a foxy. So you're only going to give it five meters until you're well clear of the dog, well clear of anyone else in, in the area, and then you pull the trigger and. You know, I hope for the best. You know, foxes are very, very clever. They'll just—I've had incidents where I've pulled the trigger on the first, on the first shot, missed the fox, and the fox has slammed on the anchors and turned around and run back into the ferns. Like they're very, very clever animals, and they're just yeah. uh, very, very hard to try. Have you ever heard them like when they're in the, you know, the ferns or the uh, blackberry, going toe to toe with the fox, and there's a lot of growling yeah. and stuff going on in there? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. A lot of yelping, <laughs> a, lot of, um, a lot of screaming. You know, foxes all. Foxes usually try and grab on the onto the dog's face, um, whereas Jack Russell will try and grab either around their uh, around their neck or in their stomach. So usually come home. Usually sometimes the Jack Russells we've got usually a little bit beaten up after they come home. But you, you give them something to eat and they they sl- go to sleep, and the next day they're all ready to do it again. So no, it's um it's good it's good to hear. And you know I, I don't I don't like seeing foxes just for the fact that we. It was our problem to begin with, as far as you know, our ancestors bringing them in and whatnot for the for the sole purpose of, of having a bit of a, a bit of a hunt. But now it's become to a problem where it's just not just not a problem with the native animals. It's a problem with livestock as well, and that's that's the kind of the, the little bit of the education part that I like like telling people. You know, you know, especially lambs and and calf cows. Like the fox will calf to a, a dairy cow, or she's calf. They'll eat the teeth off and. Of course, once that happens, you've got to sell the cow. It's, it's no good to you anymore. So, you know, that, and a cow, a cow might be worth $3,000 to you. So, yeah, you know, exactly. it's, it's, all, it's all about trying to help help the native animals in Australia and also help the farmers as, as well because they can cause a fair bit of damage. Do you normally, when you're hunting foxes, do you normally do you do any calling and that sort of thing? And if so, what sort of yeah, calls do yep. you use? Yeah, so we do we do a bit of spotlighting. Saturday nights, usually night, where we go out and do a bit of spotlighting. Um, 
usually uh, I usually use just like a tennis field, like a similar tennis field, maybe a, a duck distress call. Um, but it's it's strange you ask that because they're actually starting to pair up down this way, which is really strange because they don't usually start pairing up to the end of June, start of July because we've had um, so much rain down here. There's abundance of food for them, so. They're not really coming to the whistle as much as they would have last last year. They were fantastic coming to the whistle. So, what yeah, do you get? What uh, do you normally get more success on the whistle, or you know, running the dogs through you know ferns and blackberries and stuff? Uh, I mean, it's it's a bit of it's a much much really it's much of the same. Um, but this year, I, I definitely think this year we're going to have more success with the um, with the dogs, just for the fact that there's so much cover for them um, to, to sleep in and. And whatnot, and once they start clearing out their dens, it's pretty easy picking for us because the fox has only got one way to go, and that's come out of the dens. If, you know, if it gets past the dog, it's going to get past three or four blokes. So, I yeah, <laughs> definitely think it's not got much more. hope, has it? <laughs> no, no, definitely not. If one person misses, we usually, we usually give each other a bit of stick, and we'll go and we'll go into the into the local cafe and we'll have lunch and and whatever else. So we we try and spread out, you know, around the community and try and get the word out what we're doing. And, the local milk bar that we usually go to, they're, they're always happy to see us on a Sunday. So, we, um, yeah, some people get a little bit um, taken back by us when we're dressed in our hunting gear or dressed in our, um, in our, in our camo vests or whatever it may be. But you, you sit down or you, you, you stand and have a chat to them and they go, oh, you know, some of the older people are like, oh, well, I remember when we used to shoot foxes back in the day. I said, oh, well, you know, back then they actually had a purpose because actually pellets were actually worth quite a fair bit back in the... Um, in the 60s and 70s, $50 a pop, some people were getting, so... Unbelievable. What do you normally use to, um, what do you normally use to shoot them? Obviously, you know, shotguns, if you're sort of flushing yep. and that, tell us about that. What do you normally use and loads and those sort of things? Um, so my, my choice uh, for a shotgun, I've got a Moroku NK-10. Um, very, very lovely shotgun to use on foxes. Um, and then for my rifle, I use a, a CNC in triple two. Um, now, I also use just a Sterling 22 um, if I can get them in on my whistle. Uh, but yeah, mainly just a um, just a triple two CZ triple two uh, with a 55 55 grain boat tail Sierra boat tail. So, uh, what about uh, yeah, shotgun loads? Oh, the shotgun loads, the uh, ever reliable Winchester Super Xs can't go past them. The best shotgun load I think they're ever made. So what the, BBs? Yeah, BBs, absolutely. 36 grains BBs. So two or three quarter inch shells. So What's uh, one great. of the best days when you've been? Let's say you've been doing flushing, so not beating on a, on a fox yep. drive, but let's yep. say flushing. What's your best day been? How many foxes uh, you sort last, of got out? Last year, last year we got twenty eight on one day. Oh, so that, that'd that be was, awesome shooting, awesome oh, fun. Yeah, it? it was so much fun. Like we we were joking about it. We said we said when we left the house in the morning, we usually leave about ten o'clock in the morning. You know, usually get to Nathan's place and we have a bit of a laugh and bit of a yarn and whatever else, and then we get going, and we were leaving the gate, actually, and I said to Nathan, I said, oh, wouldn't it be great if we filled the back of the ute, and he's got a Hilux, so, and we all had a chuckle about that, and we get to the first spot, and it's no bigger than a normal a normal house, normal standard standard house, three-bedroom house, the patch of um, blackberries that we did, and bugger me, we got eight out of the first spot we went to. We couldn't believe it. We were absolutely gobsacked. We couldn't mm. believe what we just, we just come out of the... What yeah, do you normally do when, when you're flushing? Where you got like got yeah, you might have more than say one hunter and stuff like that. Do you, yep. do you find out because when I noticed when they flushed out, I'm not sure if they knew where we were or whatever, but they flushed yeah. out sort of you know if I'm in if I'm facing the twelve o'clock position, they came yep. out directly to my left, say hitting that nine or ten o'clock position, and the same on the other side. Do you find they've come out sometimes right at you, or do you find they're yeah, yeah. they're going they're going behind the, the you know? Yeah, you try. You obviously try and use your wind. So obviously, a fox will their sense of smell is incredible. Like they'll they'll sniff you. They'll try and wind you. So what we usually try and do is we try and set the dogs in the same way that wind's blowing. So they get to sniff the dogs, and then all of a sudden they push towards the hunters. So always try and use their wind. Um, but when you when you're on a square, you know, square on a square, you just have one hunter on each corner. Wait till wait wait till everyone's clear. The fox is way past the other hunter. And you just wait until they're out in the open, just let them have it. Um, but mostly they'll go with the wind. Sometimes they'll double back on the wind, which is a bit strange for a fox, but for the most part, they'll run with the wind. So they always try and get, get in front of the dogs or get away from the dogs because they don't like 
obviously don't like the uh, the smell <laughs> the smell on the sound of a of a male dog barking on top of a vixen. So <laughs> yeah, well, they um, they love yeah try and run with the wind. So they will. What what else do you like, honey, mate? Any other anything else? Um, yeah, can't can't go past the Monty Samba. It's um, that's 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 something incredible to hunt. Like they're so hard. I went up. I've been up to the high country a couple of times uh, last year. The first place went up to Lake Dartmouth. First time I've ever been up there. And that was an incredible hunt. Um, same went with the same guy that we go fox shooting with, um, and he came back with a nice nice head. Um, and then we went up to Mount Howlett um, in November. And this, mind you, this is only two weeks from summer. We got up to Mount Howard and it was snowing. So that was yeah. a pretty, pretty incredible, uh, pretty incredible trip. We, uh, the first day that we were there, we had half the foot of snow and it was two weeks away from summer. So, um, yeah, it's just mighty Samba for me is one of the, uh, the best animals to hunt just because they're so elusive. Um, they're such a hard animal to hunt, but they don't, don't give you chances like fallow or reds do. Um, so once they get a wind to you, they're, they're gone. That's it. You've, you've busted. You've got to go all started back at square one. So, yeah. uh, Samba, Samba are an incredible deer to hunt, um, just because they're so, so elusive. Yep. What about, mate? Let's talk about, um, your fa- some of your favorite gear you've got. What are your, what, what are your go to calibers in shooting? What's your favorite rifle, et cetera? Yep. Yeah. So definitely my, uh, my go to caliber spear, um, is a very odd one. It's not very, very common in Australia. Um, it's a seven by sixty four Greniky. So it's basically a thirty oh six case with a seven mil jet dial. So um it's very similar to two eighty Remington. Um and I've got that in a Mauser M twelves. So the the original makers of the bold action. Um I've got their newest their newest made rifle from Mauser direct in Germany. Um and that's that's my, my favourite rifle at this point in time. It's timber and blue, very traditional. Um it's got knocks and scars on it. Um, people go, oh, why have you got such a nice gun if you're going to take it into the bush? But that's the part of the appeal. If you're going to have a deer rifle, you can't look after it all the time. You've got to have a few scratches and a few dings on it. So and another another caliber I like using, um, I'm very much into my European calibers, and I've got an 8mm Mauser um, in an old 1904 Portuguese Mauser. Um, so, yeah, just more of a kick-around gun, bit of a fun. You know, let's go out to the farm and have a few shots and see who can hit the target with open sights 200 yards. So, yeah, it's very much a, just a kick-around gun, but thought I'd buy it. It was a pretty clean rifle when I got it, and it still had the grease in the barrel. So Yeah. So which one uh, Which one you reckon your favourite out of every single one you own, you reckon? Oh, gee, you put the pressure on. No, I reckon um, the 7x64, just a, just a beautiful gun to shoot. Um the caliber, the caliber is a hard hitting caliber. I've got a 160 grain Woodley in here. It's doing about 20 or 100 feet per second. So um, it's scooting along for a seven mil. Um, but yeah, no, I definitely think that this would be my favorite caliber by a long way. Would you like to advertise on one of the most tech-savvy mediums on the internet? Then why don't you advertise with us on the Australian Hunting Podcast? If you have a product or business that you would like to promote, then we would love to hear from you. Become one of our partner advertisers by calling Jason on 0425 881 967 or email australianhuntingpodcast at gmail.com. Looking for a big weekend? Australia's biggest sport shooting and outdoor event, the SSAA Shot Expo, is now even bigger. With hunting gear and outdoor equipment from the world's biggest names, plus demonstrations, talks and entertainment for the whole family. Over 150 displays, one location, the SSAA Shot Expo. Melbourne Showgrounds, May 20th and 21st. Book online or pay on the day. Visit shotexpo.com.au for sponsors and the full program. Nice, mate. Do you do any, um, you know, any other hunting related, or sorry, non-hunting related, I should say, activities? You know, do you have you know, shooting? Yeah. I saw. I think I saw you when you sent me the picture. You and your, your shooting vest, your clay target yep, vest. You absolutely. like shooting clays, or what other yep, sort of absolutely. things other than you yeah, do? So other than... Yeah, massive fan of um, field and game. So I'm assuming you'd be uh, fairly common with that. Yep. Yeah, love love shooting simulated clays. I it just keeps my duck shooting skills up. Whatever, any bird shooting, my fox shooting up. So. Yeah, love shooting clay targets. Been doing that for about eight months now, because um, I, I wanted I wanted to improve my my skills with a with a shotgun. Um, so yeah, I, I took up the sport of uh, field and game. 
and yeah, it's dramatically helped my uh, my shooting abilities with a shotgun in the last you know six to seven months. So I started I started in uh, in C grade, and now I'm uh, double A. So it's, um, oh really, double A? Been a been a rise, been a rise up the chain pretty quick. Jeez, <laughs> so, no, Riz, risen fairly, straight to the top. Yeah, yeah, we're fairly fairly lucky with um with with where I live. With we've got some pretty good clubs around. We've got. Um, I'm assuming some of your listeners might know um, we've got the double S double lane ground. It's probably one of the better federation grounds um, in in Australia. But we've got a few uh, local field and game clubs around my area, so I don't really have to travel too far to go and shoot. Um, unlike some other fellows who have to probably you know travel greater distances to come and shoot. So, but where yeah, I'm, as I said, I'm very very lucky to try and educate a few more people as well. You know, when when people ask what do I do, you know they don't see me at the local footy or the local cricket. You tell them oh, I'm a shooter, and they go, oh, they they might, sometimes might be a little bit taken back by that. So, just more the education process of trying to help a few people understand and defunct some of the myths that we have on um, on our, our mainstream media who like to scare the hell out of everyday civilians. Yep. Do you do any of your mates go hunting? What do you normally do when I guess you're meeting people? Either you know, it could might be through work or um, yep. You know, anything in particular? What normally happens when you sort of tell them you're a shooter? What's their reaction? Yeah, I mean, um, I suppose no thanks to the media that we have here in Australia, um, but sometimes they're a little bit taken back. They go, "Oh, I probably didn't really pick you for for someone who do that." But it, it, I think it's just all more about an education point of view from. You know our our responsibility as hunters and shooters to try and educate people on the process. It's not a we're not. Some people think that we're all killers and we're just there to kill because we like the thrill of killing. But it's it's more than that. It's it's to do with the you know the part where you you shoot you shoot a deer and you know you take the meat or you shoot a fox and you're trying to explain to people that oh, I'm doing this because I'm helping you know Farmer Joe who might have a couple of lambs in the paddock. You know he might lose them in the morning or whatever it may be, but some people are a little bit taken back and then some people are really interested and that's, they're the kind of people you need to grab hold of and go, oh, you should come along down to the Clay Target Club and, and have a go down there because we're always after more members and, and all that kind of stuff. So it, it, I think it's just um, a process of trying to trying to help people understand a little bit more and not, not believe everything they see on mainstream television. Yeah, exactly. What about um, one of my favourites? I love fox shooting too, mate. I've really gotten addicted to deer hunting lately. I just got my first deer yep. not long ago, so I, you know, I've bloody five years in the process of trying to, you know, get that deer finally did. So that's good. But um, I love my duck shooting as well. Obviously, you live in, yep. you know, duck territory. I presume down there, and um, yeah, you know, obviously, what, do you, do you enjoy everywhere. going that? And um, what do you think the difference is if you've been duck shooting? Because I noticed when I used to, especially when I first started shooting, obviously ducks and stuff like that, I was getting pretty good. I mean, I wouldn't say. You know, I've never sort of done a lot of competitions. I've done a few, but I'd probably say if I, I'd be probably be B now currently. If I started shooting a lot more, I reckon I could probably get yep. up a, a bit higher. But um, I noticed too that like the difference when you know the trajectory of targets compared to say duck shooting, where you know yeah. they're coming in from different angles. They, you know, when they come in, sometimes they'll take off at a different angle, and you know, not yep. trying to shoot into the flock. What do you think the differences are compared to say clays and obviously you know live birds? Obviously, yeah, I mean. Birds are birds are obviously a live target, so they can do anything at any time, and they can turn, they can dip, they can dive. You know, you've got to be very, very selective on on the targets you take. I mean, I'm I'm a very, very um, concerned shooter. I won't I won't shoot if I know I'm gonna, if I'm not going to kill it. Like it's just just a no brainer for me. So I'll only shoot a bird with it, if it's within a good twenty five to thirty meters of where I am, um, and I know I'm going to be able to kill it because. I think with ducks, especially, you've got to really watch what they're doing because if they see you, they will take off in a different direction. So I think you've got to remain still until they're right on top of you and then, then give it to them. Um, I try not to shoot in towards flocks um, just for the fact that I don't really want to injure any birds as such and I want to try and be as uh, accountable for any birds that I do take um, as such. But we, um, it's more um, like trying to work out which bird you're going to take. If you're going to shoot in the flock, you've got to try and work out which bird you're going to take because with um, with a shotgun, you've got to give a, give the bird so much amount of lead because if you're going to look, if you're going to try and shoot at a bird that's 30 yards out and try and shoot straight out, you're always going to miss it. You're never going to hit the bird you're looking at. So, no, you've got to, got to take your time and 
take your uh, take your shots wisely because there's no nothing worse than an injured bird. I don't think. Do you like eating uh, game meat and stuff like that, or? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Which type deer? What do you enjoy, ducks, yeah, or yeah. what do you? Yeah, uh, venison for me is very much a uh, a delicious um, game meat. Um, ducks, probably not so much. I'll probably give them away to a few people. Um, but a lot, of, a lot of the older people love love eating ducks because obviously that was something they were grown on, grown up on. Um, but probably the the best wild meat that I've had was um, a chevron, so wild goat. I absolutely think that's delicious. Probably one of the tastiest meats <laughs> yeah. I've ever had. So. Yeah, all right. What did you have it in? What? How did you have it? The legs or uh, curries? Or? Yeah, yeah, no, in a stew. In a stew. Really? So grandma, grandma makes a nice stew, so took some up to her, and she thought, oh, this is great. It's great that you're into hunting now. Give all these exotic meats. <laughs> <laughs> Very interesting, mate. What, what are some of the benefits, you think, of being a hunter and shooter? Oh, I definitely need the conservation side of um, the hunting. Just, I mean... Trying to help out, trying to help out the native wildlife. I mean, if you if you take certain animals out of the ecosystem where you live, um, it can change, have a have a massive impact on 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 the economic, the uh, let me the economical value as well as as far as the, the the natural environment as well. I mean, if you take out four or five foxes at a sheep farm, that that might save the uh, the farmer four or five or six lambs during the year. You know, that's a little bit more money in his pocket. And he's more than more than likely to say, yeah, you can come back anytime you like. So, and then obviously the native animals, like as I said, I love seeing them. Um, so take out take out some of the um, the feral animals. Where I suppose with deer, you've got to be a little bit uh, bit more of a conservationist than a uh, than a, than an outright take take them all because I obviously like like hunting deer myself um, with with being a game animal. But yeah, I mean definitely. Uh, yeah, just definitely the the uh, problems uh, that they have with uh, the, the pests, with the foxes and the rabbits and whatever else. So it helped more out than out the farmers as such. So exactly, mate. What's your thoughts on um, firearms ownership in Australia at the moment? Good, bad, just right? What do you think? Oh, I mean, I definitely, I definitely like to have a semi-automatic. Just it would, it would make it life a lot, a lot more easy for us. As you know, I mean, we're struck down to, to bolt actions only. Um, even just have a semi-automatic shotgun would, would be nice, especially on fox drives or if you go in the, towards a rabbit den and you need to get three or four quick shots off at the moment. But I think um, legal law-abiding firearms owners in this country are very, very hard done by um, with obviously what happens. But all those many years ago, um, there's a lot of probably unanswered questions that probably I think now need to be answered because... There's a lot of you know a lot of ups, there was a lot of upset people at the time that had to give a lot of their uh, you know prized firearms back. But I think I think that there's you know too much too much comparison to the United States and when it comes to you know oh our law-abiding firearms owners shouldn't have these weapons because they're going to commit crimes with them. I said I just I think it's just a little bit crazy the way that the government carries on. Are you looking to buy a new or used firearm? Do you want to sell that safe queen to fund your next purchase? Then go to OzGunSales.com. We have over 200 registered firearms dealers Australia-wide and thousands of shooters using the site daily. There are over 2,500 firearms listed, so you're certain to find exactly what you're looking for. We have over 50 years of firearms industry experience, including eight years online. So why wouldn't you advertise with us? The one and only genuine original Ozguns. Looking for outdoor equipment for your next adventure? At Aussie Outdoor Gear, you can find cooking equipment, camo clothing for kids, backpacks, camo accessories and much more. We cater for your hunting, fishing, camping, hiking and other outdoor pursuits with our unique product range. AussieOutdoorGear.com.au Quality gear at affordable prices. So let's talk about, obviously, we've got the political arena, we've got a bunch of different parties, you know, we've got the majors, we've got the greens, obviously, um, we've got our pro shooting parties, you know, what, um, I mean, for, actually, before we go into that question, let's uh, talk about well, what changes would you make to the current system, if any, what would you like to see, put it that way? Uh, I think you'd probably try and get rid of the register. Because, um, I mean, if there was there was an issue uh, down in Victoria where a few firearms owners had their addresses leaked 
um, and got sent to different people. I mean, you know, you don't really want your um, address and all that kind of stuff in the hands of those type of undesirable people. I mean, so that's probably one thing I change, um, and just probably be a little bit more trustworthy within the people who've done all the paperwork, done all the tests. Um, probably change the waiting, the waiting periods. I mean, they, they just seem a little bit excessive when you, you know, you've done all the the right things by the government, with the police, and, and whatever else. But they're probably some of the things that I'd change straight away. Um, probably help out the the hunting community a little bit better. Yeah, right. Interesting, man. What about? Um, let's talk about. Well, uh, just the, the question I was just going to ask you about. Um, our political parties, you know, do you vote for one of the? I mean, you don't have to tell us if you don't want to, but yep. uh, you know, do you vote for one of the major parties? If so, you can let us know which one it is and what what do you yeah. like about that particular party that you're voting for? Oh, well, I suppose to me, it's comes back to more the farming sake. So, where I live is, is very, very heavily dominated by um, liberal. Um, so, obviously, the current the current government. So, my my local member is Dan Tan. So he's obviously veteran affairs. And, Whatnot. So I, I've sent a few emails off to Dan Teen, especially one about the Adler. Um, you know, voicing my concern that you know they don't have to do this complete 360 backflip on trying to ban a lever, shot, lever action shotgun. Something that's been around for a century or more. You don't really need to you know, do a complete backflip on that. So I don't, I don't really like to vote for labor, uh, liberal that much. But I mean, it, it's heavily dominated where I live. So it, it's never, it's never changed anything. So many, so many years or so many decades. So I don't really, don't really have much choice as far as I'd, I'd like to vote, like to vote for the shoes and fishes. But yeah, we don't really have a choice to be honest. Yeah, yeah. What about when you come say that's you know, for your state state elections for any obvious example? Depending on, I mean, you got an upper house there. I mean, you could vote. I mean, I'm I'm just asking. You, how do you? Uh, interesting question here. I thought because this is actually the first person I've interested on the show or interviewed, I should say, that actually says they sort of vote for liberals. So how do you th- when you think back to 1996 and their constant attack on gun owners? But how do you sort of make? Yeah. Um, Interesting question. How do you sort of make peace with that and continue to vote for them based on, obviously, their track history of, you know, we, we want to get rid of registers. Well, John Howard Institute, Institution, that sort of thing, and, and the current gun laws have, you know, taken away your semi-automatics. He hated guns. Um, I mean, especially to, obviously, obviously, your local area, the lower house might be a little bit different, but, I mean, say, at, a, at an upper house level of voting in your local election, I mean, you would have probably... I mean, I guess coming up at your next election, you'll have SFP, you'll probably have uh, Liberal Democrats, you'll probably have One Nation. Uh, I'm not sure if Bob Catter runs down there. I don't think he will be. But, um, you know, you've got those three parties for the upper house. You've got, I guess, two two in Parliament currently, you know, from the SFP. Um, you know, like I never tell people who to vote for. But it's interesting, the first person I've had on the show that sort of said that. So I just, how do you how do you make peace with that? How do you think, you know, oh, I'd like to do this, this, semi-autos, get rid of registers, yet liberal are the ones that institute, you know, put put that stuff in? Yeah, well, that's that's right. And I think it's more of a an issue where you've got to be, um, you've got to you've got to look to see what's going to try and help you. I mean, as, as such as I'm a very keen hunter, a very keen shooter, and, and whatever else, but You've got to you've got to probably be a little bit smart on how you vote. I mean, as far as far as my work commitments or whatever else, Liberal has been very very good to us as farmers and whatnot. But at the same time, I'm not really 100 percent you know keen on them all the time. It's just for the fact that they keep trying to attack my uh, my laws and my rights as a gun owner. But at the same time, are Labor going to be any much better? Like I mean, are they they're not going to turn around and go, oh, we'll we'll help you gun owners, and all of a sudden they do that complete backflip. And they go, yeah, oh, we'll we'll try and change some laws here, here and there. But now, definitely in the state election, um, I'm a I'm a bit more. Um, I can vote for the Shooters and Fishers Party, but with the with the um, with our fe- with our federal election, we didn't have an option to vote for us for Shooters and Fishers. So, I mean, I just voted Liberal just for the fact that they, um, yeah, just they're so heavily dominant. I they, they held like a forty percent margin on on Liberal on Labor. So. Yeah, it's, I'm not really, you know, you know, all the way, uh, liberal, liberal, liberal. So it's, you know... Interesting concept. Kind of, How in, I've got a question based on that. You said, now for me, I mean, I know it's different for everyone, which is totally cool. I get that. Um, for me... Yep. 
Well, there's a couple of different things depending. Well, I, I couldn't. My, me personally, I could never vote Liberal because of what they've done in '96. I've never voted for yeah. them. That's just number one. Labor's, you know, basically in bed with the Greens now, so I can't really vote for them. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? We've got you know yeah. pro-gun parties that are, yeah, we're sort of pro-gun, but you know what I mean? Like we just, I just was going through on one of our next shows I've got coming up. Um, they interviewed one of the uh, Queensland leaders for One Nation. I'm like, well. What difference is this gun policy than, say, you know, Shooters and Fishers or or Bob, or, you know, yeah. Catters Australia Party? I mean, we've got so many, you know, pro gun parties, but a lot of them, a lot of them, are sort of, you know, yeah, we're pro gun, you know, but we don't like this, or yeah. but we wouldn't yeah. really fight for that, or but a lot of buts going yeah. on here. You know what I mean? So, is for me, shooting is my like I pretty much vote on shooting alone. Obviously, you're in the bush; you got other things to think yeah. about. Does is does shooting come say as number number one? Does it come as say number two to your work and your and yeah, your lifestyle well, commitments? Where is it sort of on that list? If you sort of yeah, well, understand it, that? for me, for me, it's 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 there. Like it, it is, you know. I, I clearly think about my my work commitments. I mean, because obviously we had the the big debacle with the milk factories, but that's a completely different argue, uh, story. But shooting is right there after what I have to think about as far as a work commitment goes. The shooting is right there, like. I sent emails off to my, my local member. I sent emails off to the federal member, um, who is obviously Dan Tian. Um, so when, when anything like that ever comes up, I always, send, I always send emails off and I always get replies. To, to, you know, to, their, to their credit, I always seem to get replies. Which, and it's in letter and it's signed by you know, a proper pen, not, not signed by a computer. But yeah, I definitely um, have probably become more aware within the last couple of elections that we've had, you know, you know, I've got to look after my rights. I've got to look after, you know, my firearms because at the end of the day, I don't do anything else. Like, I don't play footy. I don't play cricket. You know, I don't go and play cards or whatever it may be. It's, you know, oh, we'll go out to the bush and we'll go and shoot some clays or we'll go out to the bush and we'll go and get some rabbits or something like that. So it's, you know, very much a part, a big part of my life. Um, and I've, I've made some really good friends through that. So, and it, also another thing, it, it, it brings it brings different types of people together. I mean, I've shot field and game. I've shot field and game with a doctor. I've shot field and game with a lawyer. You know, it, it definitely brings people together who probably wouldn't associate with each other. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. No, I know what you mean. I was going to ask this next question of you. It probably more relates more to, um, you know, I guess a pro-gun party because first, as it first guy sort of had interviewed from the major parties that would vote for a major party. But I was going to say, yep. are, you ha- are you happy with their performance in the political arena? But I might skip that one because I guess you know the liberal track history is generally uh, not too. Yeah. I mean, obviously you've been yeah, there we, through we the Adler. We won't, we won't go. We won't go there, <laughs> mate. Well, I've got a an interesting. I mean, what can we do? I mean, to protect our sport, you know, in Australia, what do you think we should we should be doing? Well, I think we definitely need to. To try and have some of the major media organisations held accountable to for spinning some of the lies on TV. Every time I see a story about guns on, you know, the, the major TV channels, I go, I just, I just scratch my head. I think, how can you be saying that when you know it's not true? Like, I, you know, there's so many people you see on on social media sites, they're pro gun people. They go, this is ridiculous. Like, I mean, how can they keep spinning lies like this and fear mongering people? Like, that's the first issue we need to deal with. Is is having those kind of people held accountable for what they say because, you know, playing on the public is is the major key. Like, that's the major draw card. If the public feels feared by something that happens in the media, I mean, that, that's going to instantly think, oh, guns are bad, guns are bad, we need to ban them all, you know. We need to ban this, we need to ban that. Like, that's probably the the issue that I have. But, you know, I, I don't have any other way around it. I can't I can't vote for a fish and shoot party because we didn't have one to vote for. So... I was I was stuck I was I was in a rock in a hard place as such, like I, I just can't seem to get around it. So, but I think I think we definitely need to try and help have have some of the media organisations held accountable. But it's such a long road to try and get anywhere with them because they just don't listen. Like it's just we're, we're very we're very pressed up. I think we all need to band together though. We all need to, to to come together and say, look, we all need to do this together because if. You know, only half of us do it. It's not really, you know, going to get us get us anywhere. We've really got to come together as a group and really try and push for stuff. Because at the end of the day, if, if something goes down, then all of a sudden we've got nothing. Like it, it can. It, I'm pretty sure it can change in a dime. And you know, we're always seem to be on the edge. Like it's, 
you know, you, you wake up in the morning and you see another another shooting or wherever it may be, and they go, oh, you know, maybe it's time for us to have a look at our gun laws again. I said, well, no, it's not because we haven't done anything wrong. Like it's mm. it's not. I don't think it's time. You know, it's not been time since forever. Like I mean. The whole debacle that went down in Sydney with uh, the old mate, Man Monis, like that was just ridiculous. I can't believe that we're trying to, you know, pin that on law abiding firearms owners. Like it was just crazy. Yeah. What would, you, what, what would you say, going back to that, just because I thought interesting about the, the Liberal issue, that was if someone, because I get a lot of shooters obviously, you know, emailing me all the time, and I'm just, I was going through in my head thinking, you know, what would they say, what would they think, but what would you say if someone said, you know, to you, said, well, you know, you're voting Liberal, Liberal will be the demise of our sport one day, what would you say to that? Yeah, well, it just comes back to me saying, you know, I can't vote for anyone else, like there, there was no good candidates to vote for, we had, I had, um, I had Liberal, I had Labor, I had the Greens, um, and there's one more, oh, the Australian Sex Party. So I had four I had four groups of people I could vote for, and then saying, you know, I could have voted for Liberal, uh, Labor, but at the end of the day, it was going to be more of a wasted vote as such. And yeah, as you said, they were in bed with the Greens as, as, as much as anything else. But, I mean, I, I probably really didn't have anything else to do, but I was probably more thinking about my, my lifestyle as a farmer. Um, but, yeah, I... I'd absolutely take it on the chin if, if, if another shooter was going to have a go at me. I, I, I'd cop it. I'd say, you know, I probably probably didn't really do the right thing in the end. But as such, you know, it is what it is. And I'll try and change my ways. And if we get if we get a Shooters and Fishers Party um, nominee for our area, absolutely every day of the week could be voting for them. I'm just not sure. I'm just, I know in New South Wales, I mean, I'm only talking here and correct me, I'm not up massively on what happens in Victoria, but I know like pretty much yeah. when, I, when I go in, I'm pretty sure this is again, because obviously it's been a while since we voted in New South Wales, but normally we go in, we've got your local area candidate, which I guess would probably be your, 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 your liberal candidate in your area. So yeah. I, I get that one, but in the upper house, you would have had a chance to have voted for a pro-gun party you know, in, in for, for the upper house because you sh- well technically I'm pretty yeah, sure in Victoria. Yeah. And if anyone's listening to the show when this actually goes to air, please write in. Correct me if I'm totally wrong, but I know there's an yeah. upper house in Victoria, so there should be yeah. two sheets. Yeah, it should be it should be you know you'd have your local like cause, hey I, I'm exactly the same as you in my area. There's no um, there's no SFP. There's no I think there was an LDP one last time, but that was the first time that's yeah. ever happened. There's no CADA. There's no, basically yeah, yeah, yeah. LDP was the only one there. So obviously I'm going to vote for the pro gunner in my opinion, but I think yeah, I'm not yeah. a farmer. But in the upper house, which was the other sheet, there should have been, you know, like I, I would, yeah, again, yeah. I'm not going to in, tell you to vote for me. I'm not here to yeah, do in, that or anything in, like in that. The, yeah, in the top sheet. I know what you're, I know what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, you know what I mean? Um, that would have been a pro. Yeah, I, I, listen, I yeah, totally yeah. get if you wanted to vote liberal in, you know, your local yeah. area, which would be your, yeah. you know, you wouldn't probably have maybe a person in your area, but for the upper house seat, such as you know, Daniel Young, Jeff Bourne, they're not pushing you to that party. It could be um, yeah, Bob yeah. Carter, could be the LDP, mate, whoever you want to vote for. I just thought, you know, local area, totally understand that. But for the upper house, yeah. you, you know, uh, that would have probably been, you know, at least you're getting for your local area, you're probably getting what you need in regards to your farming activities. But then say in the upper house to represent shooters, voting for one of those pro-gun parties, that's all. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's probably... And it's probably something that, as I said, I'm obviously still learning. I don't really, really have a, a major understanding of politics, you know, but now where I've become a little bit older and a little bit wiser, um, you know, you, you, I, I'm starting to understand how it all works and, and whatever else, because as, as I was growing up, I didn't really have too much interest in it. But now when, you know, I'm a, I'm a, lot, a lot more aware on what's going on, it's it's something that's um, probably going to change my, my future vote. Yeah, that's as far right. as the... Uh, Don't feel like I'm having a go at you or anything like that. No, I mean, no. I'm a little bit mystified you'd vote for Liberal, I've got to be honest, but, <laughs> yeah. I, but, but hey, I totally get why you're doing that. You know, I, yeah, I always yeah, say to yeah. people, everyone's yeah, got a different I mean, situation, you know, they're there's, living there's in a always, different area. There's always another, there's always another uh, opinion as such, and that's, that's the great thing about us as shooters, we always have different opinions. Yep. It's like when you say, do I have to shoot a 306 or a 308? That's that's always a doozy. That one. I've seen that debate on Facebook many times, <laughs> <laughs> mate. I've got to. I've got, we, we, normally, we normally do a segment here. Five questions in under a minute. You reckon you can take the challenge? Absolutely. All right. Three, two, one. Here we go. All right. Best thing about being a hunter and shooter. What is it? And why? Uh, probably the education process and trying to help people understand um, the differences between what they see on TV and what actually happens out in the bush. Yep. Your favourite aspect of hunting. What is it? And why? 
Um, probably my favourite aspect of hunting is being out in the bush, um, you know, seeing seeing the actual, the actual environment, the animals living for what it is, yeah. and just understanding, you know, each time you're out in the bush, you understand a little bit more about how they behave and what they do. So always learning, that to yeah. me is the, is the number one key. Yep, your, your number one species you'd like to hunt outside Australia. What is it and why and which country? Uh, kudu and in one of the South African, southern 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 countries in Africa, just because they're, they're, they are the original grey ghost. They are yep. so, so hard to hunt. Okay, other, other than Africa, uh, if you could hunt anywhere in the world other than Africa, where would it be and why? Uh, Idaho, North America, uh, to hunt the mule deer. Favourite uh, piece of hunting equipment you own, what is it and why? Um, probably my reloading press because it keeps me busy during the week. <laughs> All right, one ten. That's a failure by ten seconds, unfortunately. Oh. <laughs> Don't worry, man. It's, some people win. Some, some. You know, it depends on the day. You know what I mean, but you gave us some good, good, uh, good answers, mate. Mate, to finish off, just tell us. I want a story, mate. Bit of an interesting story that you might uh, the listeners of this show might find interesting you know so i need you to sell it to them time of day etc you know was it windy we need to feel like i'm there in the story so give us a bit of a story to finish off yeah so one day it was out hunting foxes um so i was coming home from work i thought oh, i'll just pop in my cousins on the way home and i'll sit down the back of the dairy so the wind's blowing in my face this is all good i'm sitting there and i'm whistling and whistling and whistling and i was sitting next to an old shed, and I had had a little twenty-two there on my lap, and I thought, "Oh, dude, there's a fox coming up." Sure enough, this fox comes in, he stops, and he props, and he's sitting down, and he's looking around, and he's trying to work out what what it is. What I'm in my full camo gear and and whatnot, and I uh, keep whistling, and he comes a little bit further, and I'm, I'm about to take the shot, and just out of the corner of my eye, I see. I see a young young vixen. She's no more than about two two metres away from me in the long grass to my left. I thought to myself, geez, do I take this shot or not? So I whistled in a little bit further, and literally she didn't see me. She could only smell me. So like she, she bolted. She actually didn't see me. She smelt me, and she took off. I had took a shot, and I missed her. In the meanwhile, this other fox is actually coming in towards me. So I shot the dog, and I thought, that was the weirdest thing I've ever had happen to me. It was just I I didn't even see her. She was that quiet and sneaky coming into me. Didn't even see her. I was just gobsmacked that she actually didn't see me. She smelt me and she took off like a bloody bullet. I couldn't believe it. Nice. <laughs> Mate, anything else to finish off? Any final words you want to share with uh, people that are going to listen to this show? Yeah, I just um, just mean everyone hunger every hunger that listens to the show. I just hope that you all stay safe, stay safe, and um, you know, respect our sport and help educate other people um, who are maybe interested about the sport or who want to learn about the sport. So, you know, just take take a mate along who's probably ever done something before and try and get them a little bit involved because, I mean, the more people we can get, the, the more chance we have of um, protecting some of our rights. Excellent, mate. Callum Mead joins me here on the Australian Hunting Podcast uh, for the Everyday Hunter Series. Callum, man, thanks for your time today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. Too easy. You've been listening to an episode of the Australian Hunting Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. See you next time.